Hello, my name is Jason Reichel, and you're listening to Risk Management Brick by Brick. I'm fascinated with people who are helping build and maintain the physical world around us. On each episode of this podcast, we'll dive in with a risk manager, speak to them about how technology plays a role in this process. Joining me now at ITC 2023 is Mark Brading, who's a senior partner in consulting at Resource Pro, a business solution firm focused on insurance companies. Mark's specialty is in insure tech, transforming technologies and digital strategies. He's a true futurist who's been involved in shaping the insurance and tech industry for quite some time. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me, Mark, here at ITC. I'm really excited to talk to you. Everybody in the insurance industry should know about Resource Pro, but in case they don't, why don't you start off with giving everybody an introduction to yourself and a little bit about Resource Pro as a company. Sure. So Mark Brading, I'm a senior partner at Resource Pro's consulting group. Uh, Resource Pro is a global BPO company with clients across the entire PNC ecosystem, also does some employee benefits as well. I'm on the consulting piece of it and do a lot of research and advisory work with various companies, including tech companies, insurtechs, incumbents, but carriers, MGAs, retail agencies as well. So really the whole spectrum. At an event like ITC, what's your goal? How do you know if you've had a good ITC? Well, first of all, it's always extremely busy and just uh, catching up, networking with many, many people. Of course, like everybody else, I'd like to come away with some leads for some partnerships or some business. But a lot of it's also just information gathering, researching the landscape, who's doing what. That's part of what I do. I've always done as a researcher. And it's a way that I advise clients is helping them understand what's happening in different spaces and what are their peers doing. So researching, consulting, how did you end up in this role? How did you end up at Resource Pro? Well, I suppose like many people, it's been a long and winding road. Always common for insurance. Nobody's like, that's what I, I went to school for this, and this is where I ended up. No, so I started a long time ago as a tech guy. I was literally debugging mainframe operating systems. I was a DBA, so I know a lot about. Okay, so did all those kinds of things, spent some time, worked for IBM for 25 years, but a lot of different companies in tech roles. And then at IBM, I evolved to a strategy role. So I had the global strategy responsibility for IBM, which was great. It gave me the the benefit of being able to work with a lot of insurance entities around the world on all kinds of strategies and projects. And then I was part of the Strategy Meets Action firm and uh, original partner there. And uh, we built a brand, did a lot of advice for many different companies. And a big piece of that was the research. As we started it, I was the logical person to lead research because I'd done a lot of that at IBM. And then Research Pro acquired us in 2020 And we've maintained our core mission, doing industry research, thought leadership, advisory work, consulting with companies across the industry, but now in the context of Resource Pro, which is a fabulous company. I'm delighted to be part of the organization. It's an amazing growth story. Yeah, it's a really amazing company. Lots of people trust Resource Pro. I'm interested because when we talk about strategy and research, And it sounds like you do a little bit of futures work because it seems like you're working with businesses to sort of help them understand where things are moving and where they're going. What are people stopping you on the street right now and asking you about where they should be as an organization? What are some of the common things that you're hearing right now in 2023? Well, first of all, I am a futurist. I've always been a futurist. So I always think about 
Where's the world going? What does that mean for the insurance industry? But then try to bring it back to today. Okay, so what, from a practical standpoint, it was the original strategy meets action idea, right? Put it into words. So today, a lot of the discussions we're having, as you, it won't be any surprise, it's around AI, right? But the discussions are really more about how do we govern AI? How do we understand where the real value is? Because what's happened with the explosion of gen AI onto the scene with with OpenAI, it's democratized these tools. And senior leaders and boards, everybody's asking, what are we doing as a company? What does this mean to us? How do we make sure that we are using it in an intelligent way, in an appropriate way, in a way that meets regulatory approval, all of those kinds of things. So there's a lot of discussion around the, just the management and governance. Does it really feel game-changing for you, or can you liken this to something else that's emerged in your 25 years doing this, this kind of work? Like, how much of a game-changer is this really to the insurance industry? From your research perspective right now, you're betting on the future of it. Because we know that the insurance industry is sometimes slow to adopt technology, but if this technology is rampant and being used by everyone, is, is it a forcing function? Like, when we move to the web, is it... How is this going to play out from your perspective? I think it's a game changer. It doesn't mean the industry is going to change overnight. And it's also not just about AI. It's about AI in combination with the Internet of Things. With the, We're instrumenting the world. We're attaching sensors to everything that the insurance industry ensures. So there's all this information that we can now analyze and use AI for. So it's the combination of those things. And in different segments, it'll happen faster or slower. So it's not going to happen overnight, but... I expect when we look back a decade from now, it'll be a pretty different industry in terms of products and channels and the way we, the fundamentals will be there, but I think there'll be a lot of change. One of the things that, I mean, you've been in this long enough. I was a consultant, big consulting. My company was purchased by IBM, so similar experience. When we talk about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we would have said, oh, we're entering into the age of big data and it's about collecting data. And then we collected so much data that we had no idea what to do with it. And now people are still just trying to recognize what do we do with all this data set that we actually have now normalized or non-normalized or whatever, however organizations have it. And they're just coming into terms with that. So is this another input source that's going to add to the stack of data that companies have that they aren't sure how to utilize properly? Yeah, the way I think of it is that Gen AI and the, the foundation models, large language models are the true instantiation of big data, of the big data idea. To your point, though, there's still the same challenges, right? It's complex. There's lots of data. How do we make sure that it's accurate and fair, right? We have a lot more tools. It's a lot more sophistication in the AI capability, but we still have to be cautious about those kinds of things. I want to switch topics just a little bit about going into another futurism thing that is affecting everyone. How is climate change and things like that playing effect and how has that worked into your research? Are you doing any work around that and understanding how that's going to affect the insurance industry? Yeah, one of the things we've done recently is we've looked at what we call the mega trends. What are the, those big societal, environmental, external issues that are reshaping the PNC insurance industry, right? And obviously climate change is one of those, but there's a whole host of other things as well that are happening in terms of demographics in terms of just daily patterns of living, right? The pandemic has kind of accelerated a, a number of different trends. Yeah, remote work, asynchronous work, all these other Yeah, things. there's trends around 
finance and, and the way money is being exchanged, right? There's big trends around technology with IoT, with AI, you know, autonomous vehicles. I mean, you go on, all of these things are reshaping the industry and there's three fundamental lenses I use, okay? One is when we think of climate change or when we think of any of these other big trends, we gotta look at, first of all, what does it mean for customers? Right, for personal lines customers, for business customers, how's it changing that landscape? Secondly, what about the risks? Are we introducing things that are helping to reduce risk in the world or are we introducing new risks, right? Like now all of a sudden we have cyber risk, which right. is not all of a sudden, but it's, it's exploding yeah, because yeah. of the connected the world. The more sensors you connect to equipment, the more vantage points you have to have access it. So customers change, risks change, and then operations because obviously we can apply things within our operation to be more efficient, to get more insight. So I always try to look at those three lenses to see. Let's double click on one thing you just said because this podcast primarily is listened to by risk managers, people in the tech industry as well. But I have a real fear that my audience is not prepared as risk managers for what the future of risk looks like. Because a lot of times in these industries, they come from working within the organization and thus their experience has been within that organization. And yeah, they're very good at their jobs, but there's all these outside factors. Now, how does an organization win? How do they stay on top of this risk? What do you consult your clients on for making sure that they have what we call the modern risk manager? I talk to a lot of legacy risk managers who can't wrap their arms around this. Maybe they're about to retire and they're worried about the next generation. So what kind of advice are you giving and how are you structuring programs or making sure that People. So I think you're right that many are not prepared. And I actually look at it in a very simple way, right? I look at the whole industry and the way we as a world manage risk, right? Including corporate risk managers, whoever manages risk. And we've always taken a historical view, right? We look at data over long periods of time and we can predict. And based on that, we make our decisions for how we're going to finance our risk and how we're gonna manage our risk and reduce our risk, right. right? It's all been good, it's a great industry, right? But we are in a real-time world and we're in a world where events are unfolding at this amazing pace, right? Even wars and things, right? There, yeah. There's so many things that are happening that are unprecedented, right? And so I think it's really hard for most people to get their arms around managing in a real-time world, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy to say, you know what, we got real-time data flowing into us from every single thing that we insure. Yeah, we'll snapshot built. it and use it in analytics. Yeah. It, in all hindsight. And so you're yeah. missing the real value of that real-time information in the first place. Yeah, I mean, in theory, I get it, this is hard. In theory, because we have sensors attached to people and buildings and vehicles and cows and all these things, right, we should be able to manage risk real-time, right? We should be able to influence behavior, right? But that's a big leap yeah. from the actuarial view of the world, historical view to behavioral sciences. So this is one of the questions I have for you because I'm noticing this too and going, well, is risk, which is traditionally sat maybe in accounting or finance, moving more into an operational role where they need to be able to deploy solutions quickly and be part of more of the day-to-day -day operations of the business. I've been seeing that risk managers, and even just talking about risk within organizations, is elevating as a topic for being a value differentiator for organizations that we're working with and other things like that. You must be seeing similar things. 
Yeah, I think so, because it's everybody's business, right? Even more so. And again, it kind of gets back to that mindset of, are we thinking more static or are we thinking more dynamic, right? Because if you're thinking of the historical static world and how do we manage this, right? You can assign some people or some groups to say, okay, how do we, whether it's loss control to mitigate risk or whether it's financing mechanisms like insurance to finance it, like, okay, you guys do that. Now you can't just leave it to one group and the lines are blurring. I'm getting like the vision of like the Dr. Strangelove control scene where everybody's like looking at things real time and being like, deploy, deploy the bomb. We need this now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I have the answer to all this, but I, I, I see where things are headed, right? And so it's exciting in some ways because there's lots of opportunity for the insurance industry to play an even elevated role in the world. I mean, it's been foundational to society for a long time, right? We couldn't be doing the things we're doing in the world without insurance. But now the industry has to up their game. Yeah. One thing I keep asking about and running into is there's a resource gap for this industry. And that means to me, anytime in any industry where there's a resource gap, technology can come in and play a big role. Technology has been trying to change the insurance industry for the last 20 years very slowly. But now there's this moment where the existential dread and the crisis is coming in where technology can actually maybe elevate and speed up the team's response, ability to act on that. I'm wondering if it's new players who are going to win in this new world or if it's going to be the legacy players who can actually transform their the way they do business. And that must be, I mean, is that part of your work or do you have an opinion on where you stand in that fight? I have an opinion on all these things, <laughs> okay, as you might imagine. So there's really two separate questions there, I think, because there's a whole set of questions around talent and resources and then there's another set of questions around kind of business models and how do you build something that's going to be the winner, right? Or winning. Formula, and even what does right? winning look like now? Yeah. What does it look like? So let me talk about the talent part first, because as an industry, there's this kind of paradox, right? Where in the U.S. at least, the unemployment rate for insurance is like 1.4%. It's very high employment, right? On the other hand, there's a high level of unfilled positions the demographics are against us with retirements. There's a fight for talent, right? So there is a gap. There's this big gap, right, that it needs to be addressed to help the industry grow and be successful, right? So there is a formula there that says the right blend of tech enablement and human expertise, that's the winning formula. Like the companies that figure that out, how do we automate, how do we leverage AI, but also we have the deep human expertise at the right points, right? Or we have partners that help us like Resource Pro to execute, right? Yeah. That's the winning formula. But there is a second question about, is it incumbents or is it new players? So I think incumbents, the whole insure tech world, which I've been deeply engaged in since the very beginning, has definitely been a catalyst for change. And there are definitely winners there. There are definitely companies that have made a big difference in the industry, right? Have been good partners to the industry. But it's really less about disrupting existing players and more about enabling or partnering with the existing players, right? Yeah. And I said, I don't know, I think this was maybe five years ago, I made a prediction that by 2025, 90% of the insure techs on my list then in 2015 would be gone. Maybe they had a successful exit and were acquired by some, but, but a lot of them would have just failed. I don't know if that we're going to hit that percentage or not, but it's the nature of a startup world. And I see that churn, I see that happening. 
the last year has been particularly rough for a lot of insured techs. Yeah, we've seen that too. Laying folks off and trying to... Yeah, their models aren't working the same way as other models aren't working. Yeah, but there are the winners. There are the 10% of them that are actually doing really well and making a big difference in the industry and will continue to do so. On the other side, there's really innovative, bold incumbents that are doing great things and that are growing and being successful. Yeah, the amount of incumbents that have their own essentially labs and other things is is pretty staggering to me coming from just the tech industry, even the, the logistics tech industry too, where I've spent time, not as many of the organization, legacy organizations are thinking about how to foster innovation within those organizations. I find that to be very interesting. So we're talking about legacy. We're talking about who's going to win. We're talked about big data. We talked about everything having sensors. Who is going to benefit from all of this data information? And what are those models? We talked a little bit about the model, but what's the new model look like? Yeah, I think in theory, everyone should benefit, right? Because now, are we going to engineer away risk in the world? No, of course not. And we're going to introduce new risks. But by instrumenting things like vehicles and like properties, different homes, et cetera, we do have the ability to proactively address risk and help reduce risk. And it's the policyholder, the business owner or the individual that's going to benefit from that, right? Mm-hmm. On the other side of things, as an insurance industry, I think there's the potential to continue to grow and be more profitable as we have deeper understanding of risk, especially in a real-time basis, right? And you've probably seen, I mean, there's so many exposures in the world that are uncovered by any kind of financing mechanism, right? Insurance is just not there either because it hasn't been profitable or whatever the reason might be, right? So I think the growth potential for the industry itself is great, but I think there's tremendous potential benefit for So you think new products are going to come online for insurance companies? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you look at what's happened in the last 10 years already, right, with gig insurance kinds of things and parametrics insurance and, you know, now we're we're doing embedded point of sale for lots of things. I think there's a lot of potential here for micro insurance and even some things that are maybe larger that we just didn't cover before or we let the government cover it, you know, as a backstop. Let's talk, let's, one last question on that. And what's the government's role in all of this as it relates to the insurance industry? In America, let's take that. Like, because there's a lot of talk about how the government might regulate AI or other things like that that might need to happen. Is that something that you think is could be completely disruptive to the future success of this? Like, do you believe that we're going to be able to contain this? Like, where's your head at when I say that? Yeah, I mean, of course, there's a lot of angst about the Terminator scenarios of the future. And so governments naturally think they need to step in and manage this, right? And there is a role for government, right? But I fear, and this is going to introduce some of my political leanings, but I fear fear that government will go too far in trying to regulate it. And I really think Well, they're also a slow-to-respond industry, right? So (laughs) you don't want them regulating some of this stuff. First of all, insurance has its own mechanisms to protect the consumer and to regulate, right? And I think there's some very good things happening with NAIC and with state DOIs. And the industry at large is they're really trying to think about how do we make sure the way we use these technologies are fair, unbiased, right? Those kinds of things. So I think there's a lot of good work going on and really... I think the marketplace will regulate that to some extent as well. Yeah, there's an oversight role for federal governments, for state governments, to be sure. 
Yeah, some value of the insurance industry compared to, say, the stock market is that the insurance industry is successful when nothing happens. So it's, it can be almost a self-correcting mechanism sometimes where it, you don't see that in other industries where people can bet against the failure of things as much as the success of things. Last question I have for you, which is we have a lot of young people who are listening to this podcast now. What's a piece of advice that you would give yourself 25 years ago coming into this industry? What's something you love about the industry? What's something you don't like about the industry? And what's a piece of advice that you would give? Yeah, so let me take what I love about the industry first. First, well, multiple things. It's a very collegial industry, right? It's a great network industry. It's not a cutthroat competition kind of scenario, right? Because the industry really is there ultimately to do a public good, right? To enable businesses to exist and grow, to enable governments to be successful, to enable people, et cetera. So there is a especially for young folks that have kind of you know, societal society on their mind and be doing good things for society. It, the insurance industry is like a great exhibit of that, right? I love the industry for that. I get frustrated because the industry is slow. Some of that's the nature of the industry, the heritage of the industry, and this whole kind of historical view we were talking about yeah, earlier. Right. But they are slower to adapt things than I would like to see. Yeah, you're doing research. You're like, yeah, we were talking about that 10 years ago, and now it's showing up. That's the plight of the, the future. 10 years right? ago. So, I mean, in the mid-90s, I was talking about how the whole world's going to be connected and instrumented, and we're going to have all this real-time data, and right. people thought I was nuts. So, <laughs> yeah. But here we are. So yeah. it just took longer than I thought it would. And a piece of advice. piece of advice is for young folks, there are so many opportunities in the insurance industry, and it's fulfilling. It's exciting. Whichever direction you want to go, you want to start a career in underwriting or claims or on the tech side or whatever. It's a great growth industry and yeah, join it. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate you. Okay, great. Risk Management Brick by Brick is brought to you by TrustLayer. Find out how TrustLayer manages risk so that the people can build the physical world around us. Head over to TrustLayer.io and then make sure to subscribe to Risk Management Brick by Brick on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the Trust Layer team, thank you for listening.